Let's open our Bibles to the book of Job. We got down to the 21st chapter where Job is answering Zophar. We're teaching in chapter by chapter and verse by verse. What Job consists of is uh, basically Satan's temptation and trial that God permitted him to bring in testing upon Job, taking everything that he had, his possessions, his uh, children, his uh, family all from him, and smiting Job from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet with boils and, and sores. And uh, then at the end of this, his wife said, curse God and die. She didn't believe that he could still maintain his integrity, and but yet he did. And then his three friends come along and they stare him in the face for seven days and seven nights and speak not a word. And then finally when they begin to speak, each one of them has a particular voice. We call them the voice of experience and the voice of tradition and the voice of legalism. And every one of them level their case against Job and say, Job, it's all because of some secret sins or some problems that you have uh, that uh, God has permitted all this to happen to you and brought all this upon you. And in all that, they, it, a lot of things that they said were true, and yet they were applying them and misapplying them, I should say, to Job because he was not guilty of what they were accusing him of. In the 20th chapter, verse uh, 26, it says, All darkness shall be hid in his secret places. A fire, shall not, a fire not blown shall consume him. It shall go ill with him that is left in his tabernacle. Verse 27 says, The heavens shall reveal his iniquity, and the earth shall rise up against him. And he's talking about verse 29. This is the portion of the wicked man from God and the heritage appointed to him by God. And so Zophar, the one that's speaking in the 20th chapter, thinks that Job has a secret sin. He says, now God's going to bring your sin to light. And so that's really the accusation leveled at Job in this 20th chapter. Now, it's 21st chapter. We've read down to verse 5, and that's really where we should pick up. But we'll go ahead and begin reading with verse 1 to get the uh, flow of the, the answer of Job. Let's notice verse 1, chapter 21, verse 1. But Job answered and said, Hear diligently my speech, and let this be your consolations. Job uh, had reason to be grieved. He says, Suffer me that I may speak, and, I, and after that I have spoken, after that I have spoken, mock on. He says, If you'll just let me answer, and when I'm through speaking, well, then you can just keep on mocking because of my situation. So here's the answer of Job to Zophar. And Zophar is the voice of legalism. And he says, Job... You have done this, and therefore your secret sin is there, and therefore God is judging you like he judges all wicked men. And he put Job in that class. And yet God had said of Job, remember previously, that he was a righteous, an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. In the first chapter when Satan would try to accuse him. First and second chapter and along in there. So he says, you go on and mock on after I've, I've spoken. Verse 4 he says... <clears throat> I may have got those verses wrong because in my caption here, verse 1 is not numbered. Verse 1 says, but Job answered and said. <clears throat> verse 2 says, hear diligently my speech and let this be your consolation. Verse 3, suffer me that I may speak and after that I have spoken, mock on. Verse 4, as for me, is my complaint to man? Job says, am I complaining to man? Or... Uh, and if it were so, why should not my spirit be troubled? If I keep on arguing with men, certainly I will be troubled. Because men don't understand my situation. He's saying, is my complaint before you? Because you don't seem to understand. 
And he says, mark me, be astonished, and lay your hand upon your mouth. Why don't you just keep quiet a while? You know, when you lay your hand upon your mouth, you've seen, be quiet, you know. Well, Job says, just lay your hand upon your mouth and just be silent a little bit. Verse 6, even when I remember, I am afraid and trembling taketh hold of my flesh. Job could not really understand the mysterious workings of God's providence and why God would permit this to happen to him. Job suffered more than, uh, I guess, most anyone that I can read of in the Bible. In verse 7 it says, Wherefore do the wicked live, become old, yea, are mighty in power? Now then, uh, Zophar had just said that the wicked, his triumph is short in chapter 20, verse 5. And the joy of a hypocrite is but for a moment. You have 20, verse 5. Look at it. And he tells about wicked men being cut off instantly and that they don't live very long and all of this. And Job says, look, in verse 7 now, 21, verse 7. Wherefore do wicked do the wicked live, become old, yea, are mighty in power? He says sometimes the people, uh, wicked men, live a long time and they prosper. They become mighty in power. Job shows that material prosperity does not prove that a man is righteous. Uh, many unrighteous men have material prosperity. And so Job is showing you, showing us and answering so far and saying it's not always the case. You know, some people put everything in one category and it all has to fit there. It doesn't fit anywhere. That's where, that's where Zophar was coming from. He says, now, every wicked man, he pays the price. God cuts him off and he doesn't prosper and he suffers for this and that and the other. Job says, that's not always the case. He says, you're just trying to make it all fit one, you know, stereotype every wicked person. When sometimes wicked men grow old and, and they grow mighty and it seems like that there's no fear of death before them and they live uh, a long time in their wickedness. It's not always the case, as Zophar said. But Job says it's sometimes the case. And so verse uh, 7 and, and 8, verse 8, he continues. He says, their seed is established in the sight of, uh, in their sight with them and their offspring before the eyes. They see their children grow up. They see their children and their grandchildren. And he says, their houses are safe from fear. Neither is the rod of God upon them. He says, they're not even chastened like I am. Remember Psalm 73, and we gave you the exposition on that. It's much in line with what Job was answering. The wicked prospering and no fear of death before their eyes. And they cry out against the heavens and they speak loftily and they oppress the poor and they're not afraid of, of uh, uh, death and they speak about death as if it doesn't amount to anything. I've seen wicked people don't take anything about death. So, oh, well, when you die, you die. I know some in distant family of mine that were that way. Just, just like that, you know. Didn't make any difference. When you and I and Christian people are very conscious about death, we know that when we die, everything has to be right with God. We know that when we die, we go to be with the Lord. But we know there's also a danger of men dying without God and going to eternity without Him and everlasting darkness in place of judgment and punishment for hereafter. But uh, a lot of people have different ideas. In verse 10... It says, their bull gendereth and faileth not, and their cow calveth and casteth not her calf. Look at that. Verse 7 said, their influence is great. Verse 9, their afflictions are few. The rod of God is not upon them. Verse 10 tells us how that their possessions are multiplied. Verse 11, look, they send forth their little ones like a flock, and their children dance. Their children are happy, seemingly. 
Have you ever seen people that live wicked lives and, and a riotous life and seem to be happy? They're really not deep down in the heart and they have really no peace. But they make a good show of it. And as far as Christians looking upon them, sometimes they say, well, boy, those people are having a good time, you know, out there and seeing. And you picture them as having a good time. Well, they're really not. Their heart is torn. They're not at peace. There is no peace, saith my God, to what? The wicked. So really, they're not at peace. And the only people that really have inward peace are, are children of God. Because other hearts are disturbed. Now, some may dispute that, but the Bible teaches that that's, that's the peace that comes to us. is uh, passeth all understanding. And it's not as the world giveth peace, Jesus says. So, it seems that these people are happy. They send forth their... They're little ones like a flock, and their children dance. Look, they take the timbrel and harp and rejoice at the sound of the organ. This is what Job was saying. He says, uh, Zophar, all of your picture of the wicked does not hold true, because here's a lot of people that appear to be happy, and they have all these blessings, and they have all this prosperity, and some of them do not die uh, uh, at a young age. Some of them live to be old. In fact, look at the next verse. They spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. They die without a previous sickness. They spend their moment, they spend their lives in wealth and then they just die all of a sudden and seem to be just cut off. We know a lot of Christian people that have gone through suffering after suffering, haven't we? We know some now. You know, the thing about it is, uh, we can't put everything into a certain category and say this is the way it always is. Remember I referred to Lazarus at one time, the beggar that sat at the rich man's table. And yet David said, I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous nor forsaken nor his seed begging bread. But what about Lazarus? He was begging bread, wasn't he? And he desired to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And when he died, the Bible says the angels took him carried him into Abraham's bosom. So you can't put everything in strict categories. And that's what a lot of people try to do and thus come up with conclusions that are not fair and just. And we know that when they get through talking to Job, these three friends, so-called friends, that God uh, tells them in the last of the book that they had not spoken that which was right concerning his servant Job. We know that God tells them that they were not speaking right and applying these scriptures right. There's a lot of people who take Scripture and try to apply it to you and just figure out everything that's wrong with you. We better do the preaching and let the Holy Spirit do the applying. And He can make the application where it fits better than you and I. And He knows how to do that. It says in verse 13, They spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. And Job says, Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. They won't have anything to do with God. They say, God, depart from us. And it says in verse 15, what is the almighty that we should serve him? And what profit should we have if we pray unto him? You see what the wicked say? Remember old Pharaoh when uh, Moses was facing, facing Pharaoh and uh, Moses said, God is going to bring these certain judgments. And he says, obey the voice of God and, and let God's people go. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him? These people were saying, Who is God that we should obey him? Who is God that we should serve him? What profit would it be if we pray to him? Would we have any profit by praying to him? He says, Lo, their good is not in their hand. The counsel of the wicked is far from me. 
in verse 17, how oft is the candle of the wicked put out and how oft cometh their destruction upon them. God distributeth sorrows in his anger. You see that? He turns around and he speaks of the fact that sometimes their light or lamp, uh, if you notice the candle, it means their lamp or their light is put out. Verse 18 says, They are as stubble before the wind and as chaff that the storm carrieth away. God layeth up his iniquity for his children. He, he rewardeth him and he shall know it. He rewardeth him and he shall know it. You know, people say, I don't know why certain things happen. Usually we know. And notice it says, he lay, God layeth up his iniquity. <coughs> if you turn to the book of Romans, chapter 2, verse 5. Well, let me read a, a few verses. Begin with verse 2 through 5. It says, We're sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. Now look verse 4 and 5. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness, and forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up, under thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds and so on. So uh, it's stored up, layeth up. Isn't that what Job is saying back here? 21 verse 19. <coughs> God layeth up his iniquity for his children. He rewardeth him and he shall know it. He'll know uh, why it comes. His eyes shall see his destruction, and he shall drink of the wrath of the Almighty. For what pleasure hath he in his house after him, when the number of his months is cut off in the midst? You know, when I was thinking of that statement, what pleasure hath he in his house after him? I thought of the rich man. You remember the rich man in Luke 12? And Jesus said, Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? What pleasure hath he in his house after him? Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? When the number of his months is cut off in the midst. You see, uh, he said to the rich man, Thou fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. Then who, who shall those things be which thou hast provided? <coughs> There's no pleasure left, is there? Verse 22. It shall, he, Job continues his um, answer. Shall any teach God knowledge, seeing he judgeth those that are high? He speaks of God's wisdom and knowledge. In verse 23 through 25, he says, One dieth in his full strength, being holy at ease and quiet. His breasts are full of milk, and his bones are moistened with marrow. And another dieth in the bitterness of his soul, and never eateth with pleasure. So he's saying, as far as the wicked are concerned, the happy die and the unhappy die. And he says in verse 26, they shall lie down alike in the dust and the worm shall cover them. He says, the wicked die that are happy and the wicked die that are unhappy. Look at those two verses, 23 and 25. One dieth in his full strength, verse 25, another dieth in the bitterness of his soul. You see... We do not thoroughly understand. We do not understand the mysteries of God's dealings in providence. We always have this big question mark. Why does this happen? Why does that happen? 
And he says, they both die and they both, both go into the dust and the worms shall cover them. Verse 27 says, Behold, I know your thoughts and devices which you wrongfully imagine against me. So Job says, I know that you've applied all the things that happened to wicked men to me. Look at that verse. Verse 27 is very critical. Behold, I know your thoughts, he says, and the devices which you wrongfully imagine against me. And he was uh, answering Zophar's accusations that all that happened to the wicked was happening to Job. And Job says, I know that you're applying all this to me. For you say, where is the house of the prince? And where are the dwelling places of the wicked? Have ye not asked them that go by the way, and do ye not know their tokens, that the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction, they shall be brought forth to the day of wrath? Don't you know that there's a judgment in, the, in another world, and it doesn't all happen here and now? A lot of people think that all the judgment they're ever going to face is right here. And I've quoted time and time again concerning these, these answers that we've been giving. Uh, a verse in the book of Ecclesiastes, remember? It says, because sentence against an evil work, get this carefully, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. They say, because God hasn't judged immediately, then it's all right. God's not going to do anything about it. It must be all right and acceptable because God hasn't uh, struck one dead, hit him with a bolt of lightning or something. But that's no answer. God's in no hurry. Job says he's got all the time there. It says there is going to be a day of wrath. There's going to be a day of judgment. And men are going to have to stand before God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 that it is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, what? The judgment. Death doesn't end all. We're going to face the Lord. And as children of God, we can face the Lord not fearing the judgment of, of separation or eternal wrath. Because Jesus bore that for us. In John chapter 5 verse 24, the Bible says, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation or judgment, but is passed from death into life. And the believer has everlasting life now and shall not come into this final great judgment and he's already passed from death unto life. He's exempt from it. Now, he's not exempt from the Christian judgment. Because the Bible tells us that we shall all stand and appear before the judgment seat of Christ. There are three passages in the New Testament that tell us that we're going to stand before the Lord. One you have in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that tells us our works shall be judged. And then again in Romans chapter 10, I believe, chapter 14 and verse 10, the Bible tells us that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to have to give an account for our whole life. Our life shall be taken into consideration. And also in the book of, uh, of 1 Corinthians, I mean 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're told that we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And so... Uh, our fellowship is going to be taken into account. And our fellowship and our works and our whole life as a Christian will be given account of at the judgment seat of Christ. So it does make a difference 
in spite of what a lot of people believe, though we're saved by the grace of God and salvation is, is signed and sealed and delivered, it does make a difference how we live because it's going to be brought into account. Our past sins are not going to be brought into account. The, the punishment of sin is not going to be brought into account. But our whole life is going to be brought into account before the, at the judgment seat of Christ. And you have those three passages of Scripture that show us that in the New Testament. Let's go on with this. It says, uh, Job says, uh, verse 30, I mean, yeah, verse 30, that the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction. They shall be brought forth to the day of wrath. Who shall declare his way to his face and who shall repay him what he hath done? Yet shall he be brought to the grave and shall remain in the tomb. The clods of the valley shall be sweet unto him and every man shall draw after him as there are innumerable before him. How then, now look, here's the last of it. How then comfort ye me in vain, seeing your answers, in your answers there remaineth falsehood. Now this last word is spoken directly to Zophar. He says, well then, how is it that you try to, you comfort me in vain? You, you brought me no comfort. And in your answers there remaineth falsehood. You falsely accuse me of being like these wicked that you've described in the previous chapter that Zophar had described. And you've accused me of being like them. Now, to pick up with chapter 22. And it says, Then Eliphaz, now that was Zophar, this is Eliphaz the Temite, Temanite, answered and said, and This is the voice of experience. And he says, Can a man be profitable unto God as he that is wise may be profitable, profitable unto himself? He's saying, Job, do, do you, does God profit by you? As you profit to yourself? In other words, does God depend upon you for his success and his prosperity? Well, no, God doesn't depend upon any of us. And he's acting if, as if Job feels that way. Is there any pleasure to the Almighty that thou art righteous? Does God get any particular feedback or blessing because you claim you're righteous? Or is it gain to him that thou makest thy ways perfect? He's saying... He's saying to Job, he says, Job, do you think you're doing God a favor? Are you making God prosperous? Are you helping God out by your claim that you're trying to live right and do right? That you're righteous? Some silly questions, aren't they? Look at verse 4. Will he reprove thee for fear of thee? Will he enter with thee into judgment? Is not thy wickedness great and thine iniquities infinite? <laughs> Look, Eliphaz is coming down harder than Zophar, isn't he? He says, isn't your wickedness great and your iniquities infinite? And then he starts enumerating what Job did. Look, look at the next thing. He says, for thou hast taken a pledge from thy brother for naught and stripped the naked of their clothing. You've taken, stripped uh, the clothes off of the naked. You, you've left people destitute. Well, Job hadn't done any of this. Where was he getting all this? I've heard people make claims of what, how mean some people were, and I never did see them be that mean. <laughs> thou hast not given water to the weary to drink. Look at this. And thou hast withholden bread from the hungry. I remember one time it got back to me that a certain lady of the church says, Brother Joyce never gave anybody anything. I'll leave that up between me and God. <laughs> But anyway, this got back to through through one of the members. I said Brother George never would give anybody anything. Well, I think some of you know me a little better than that. 
But it says in verse uh, uh, 7, Thou hast not given water to the weary to drink, and, and thou hast withholden bread from the hungry. Now, Job was a blessing to the poor people. In fact, when you read the story, you'll find that he made the widow's heart to sing for joy, and the, the orphans and the widows and all the people that were in need, they, they could depend upon Job to be generous and to help them out. But see, these accusations came from Eliphaz. This was supposed to be a good friend of Job's. And they had gotten to the place they were no longer friends. They had turned by their rhetoric, by their uh, uh, accusations, they had actually become enemies. You know, if people uh, talk long enough, you'll find out where they stand. They, you really will. It'll finally leak out that they either like you or they don't like you. And it finally came out they really didn't care much for Job, though they pretended to be his friends to start with. They started out with pretty good motives. But it ended up. Now look, verse 8. But as for the mighty man, he, he had the earth and the honorable man dwelt in it. Says you were once mighty. Thou hast sent widows away empty. Look at that. And the arms of the fatherless have been broken. Says Job, you sent widows away empty. You had plenty. You were mighty. You were honorable. And you sent the widows away empty. You wouldn't give anything to the widows. And the scripture says in another place that he made the widows heart to sing for joy because of his generosity and his care. You see how people can twist things around to make it actually the opposite of what a person really is? We'd call that slander, wouldn't we? Uh, they just really were putting Job down and accusing him of everything that he was not guilty of at all. Any and everything. And he says, therefore, look, therefore, uh, Eliphaz says, therefore, snares are round about thee, and sudden fear troubles thee, or darkness that thou canst not see, and the abundance of waters cover thee. Is not God in the height of heaven, and behold the height of the stars, how high they are? Well, Job knew God was in heaven. He wasn't telling Job anything he didn't know. <laughs> You know, every once in a while someone will come along with some seeming just great revelation as if no one ever heard of it but themselves. Have you ever seen people like that? In other words, I just figured it out, folks. And, you know, I've got a special insight. Well, you know, it's in the Bible all the time. They just read what God is. In fact, when you hear Job speaking of God, he exalts God uh, in a far greater way than any of these friends. And yet they're saying, Job, you don't, don't you know God's in the heavens? Look at that. And behold, the height of the stars, how high they are. And thou sayest, how doth God know? Job didn't say that. Job didn't say, how does God know? You see, I don't mind saying something, but I don't like for people to put words in my mouth, you know. People say, you know, uh, Brother Joyce believes this. Well, listen, how do you know what I believe? You only know what I believe by what I say. And uh, I try to say, uh, st take my stand for things that are biblical and scriptural. And as far as the, the details and the spiritual insights, there's a lot of things that maybe are not articulated from one time to another. But when you get round, right down to the nitty gritty, we can talk about those too. But that's deeper things than just throwing out what you believe as far as the fundamentals of the faith are concerned. Someone talked to me about what I believe about tongues or or certain healings or certain things. We can get down into details if you want to sometimes. 
you know, I think that there was a reason for Paul saying to the Corinthians, now listen, that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus Christ accursed. Did you know he said that to the Corinthians? So evidently, in some of their so-called tongue speakings, they were cursing the Lord. So if you want to get into details, we can get into details. Because there's some things that, that's there that, that you don't ordinarily bring out. But evidently, Paul had a reason for saying that, didn't he? Why would he just get it out of the clear blue if there wasn't something going on that he had to rebuke in the Corinthians? So he did. But anyway, we're going with this. Uh, notice uh, what we were talking about in verse uh, uh, verse 12, 13. And thou, and thou sayest, how does God know? Can he judge through the dark cloud? Thick clouds are a covering to him that he seeth not, and he walketh in the circuit of the heaven. Well, surely Job knew this too. Hast thou marked the old way which wicked men have trodden? You know what he was saying here? Who is he? He's the voice of experience, isn't he? And he says, you know, here's the experience I've had. Uh, Eliphaz, the very first verse, Eliphaz the Temanite, answered and said, and this whole chapter has to do with his answer to Job. In verse 15, he says, Hast thou marked the old way which wicked men have trodden? In other words, Job, I'm speaking to you from the voice of experience. I've marked the way. I know what I'm talking about. Which were cut down out of time, whose foundation was overflown with a flood. Which say unto God, Depart from us, and what can the Almighty do for them? Yet he filled their houses with good things, but the counsel of the wicked is far from me. The righteous see it and are glad, and the innocent shall uh, innocent laugh them to scorn. Whereas our substance is not cut down, but the remnant of them the fire consumeth. He says, Job, don't you know anything about this? This voice of experience? This is what God does to wicked people? See, he was acting as if Job knew nothing. It kind of makes you sick, doesn't it, sometimes when people talk to you and they act like you don't know anything at all? You're just, you're just a dumb bunny? <laughs> you don't know anything? You know? That, that you know, what they... What they uh, uh, don't know has never been written. They know it all, but you don't know anything. <clears throat> I've tried to teach uh, Brother Randy and others that have been working with me in the church from time to time that you can't sell people short because most of them know what the, you're talking about if you just give them a chance, especially God's people that are uh, filled with His Holy Spirit and have an insight and ability to take the Word of God and, and let the Holy Spirit bring it to their hearts. They know what you're talking about. It's not all strange. So here, now look at verse uh, 21. Uh, I want you to notice three things. First of all, he says, Acquaint now thyself with Him, and be at peace, thereby good shall come unto thee. He says, Job, if you just would get to know God. Joe, you just get to know God and then you'll have peace and, and good will come out of it. <laughs> it. You know, to me, this book of Job is kind of humorous when you think of how that people talk to others. 
uh, a lot of times I've heard people try to get someone to repent. And maybe that person they're trying to get repent to repent is really closer to God than they are. <laughs> you ever seen that situation? And, uh, you know, you just got to do it my way or it's not done at all. And he said, this fellow says to, to Job, acquaint now thyself with God. Just get to know God. And he says, and be at peace, thereby good shall come unto thee. And then he says, the next thing, he says, receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth and lay up his words in thine heart. He says, Job, you hear and believe the word of God. Now, if you'll just hear God's word and believe it, things will be all right. Isn't it Job? I believe he said it in the next chapter. He says, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And this man is telling Job to receive the word of God. And Job counts him so dear to him that it's more than his necessary food. Look at that. Verse 22. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth and lay up his words in thine heart. And verse 23 says, Job, just repent. If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up. Thou shalt put away uh, iniquity far from thy tabernacles. Job, he says, now you need to repent and, and return to God. Boy, he's really getting down to it, wasn't he? These three verses, he says, first of all, Job, he says, get acquainted with God. Then he says, hear God's word. And then, second, uh, then the third thing, he says, return to God. Repent of your sin and turn to God. <clears throat> a man in Job's condition, I'm sure, had done all of these things that this man was talking about. He was trying to be more acquainted with God. And he was praying. Remember, one of them told Job at one time, he says, Now, if you would pray, said, Job, you must have quit praying. He said, If you just pray, God would hear and answer your prayer. As if Job wasn't praying. Can you imagine a man... Losing everything he had and all of his family as his sons and daughters and all of his possessions and his wife turning against him and then and him be uh, afflicted from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And so he took a piece of broken pottery to escape, to scrape the scabs off his body, not praying to God <coughs> and maintaining his integrity. I think he'd have to pray a great deal to do that. <clears throat> okay, let's go on. It says in verse 24, Then shalt thou lay up gold as dust. <clears throat> in other words, he's saying, Then God will bless you. And the gold of Ophir as the stones of the brooks. And he says, Yea, the Almighty shall uh, be thy defense. And thou shalt have plenty of silver. In other words, you're going to get great riches if you'll just turn to God. If you'll repent of your sins, if you'll listen to God's word, and you'll get acquainted with God. He says, Job, if you'll do all this, then God will bless you. Now, we don't know why. that We do know why, really, that uh, Job had lost everything. It was because he was a precious person in the sight of God, and God permitted Satan to to try him this much. But <coughs> we don't know why that, <coughs> that God would permit such drastic things <coughs> to happen to Job. Excuse me. But then he says in verse uh, 26, For then, <coughs> then 
shalt thou have thy delight in the Almighty and shalt lift up thy face unto God. In other words, he says you'll have unfailing joy if you'll just return to, to God and God's blessings uh, will be upon you. You'll have riches. You'll have unfailing joy. And then he says, thou shalt make thy prayer unto him and he shall hear thee and thou shalt pay thy vows. He says, Job, if you'll do all this, then you'll begin to pray and you'll begin to pay your vows. As if Job hadn't been praying, you know. And then he says in the next verse, uh, Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. And the light shall shine upon thy ways. He would make his testimony fruitful. And he says, When men are cast down, then thou shalt say, there is lifting up. You'll be able to uh, have the ability to help others. Job, you haven't been able to do this so far, but you'll have the ability to help others. And he shall save the humble person. He shall deliver the island of the innocent, and it is delivered by the pureness of thine hands. 